What's up, Predators? Thanks for tuning in to the audio portion of the Smasher Pass broadcast with Travis and Dean. If you want to catch the video portion of it whenever we go live, check it out on YouTube at Apex Predator Outdoors and at Lung Crusher 53. Whenever we go live there, you can comment and be part of the show live. Comment and talk to our guests and uh, be a part of the show. So if you want to check it out, again, go check it out at Apex Predator Outdoors or Lung Crusher 53 at YouTube and be part of the show and also guys go ahead and subscribe and like and hit that little notification bell so you can be reminded whenever we post new episodes of the show and also subscribe to the feed here wherever you're listening to it so you can make sure that you never miss a new episode thanks predators and as always keep defying the odds all right What's going on, Predators? This is Travis here today. We have a special guest with us besides our friend Dean. We have Mr. Nate Sellers here of Average Jack Archery. Uh, we just wanted to get somebody on here to really talk to us and just give us another uh, point of view, another uh, group of insight here. And uh, the great thing about Nate here is that he actually owns a bone shop here. He's getting that rolling and he's going to make that talk a little bit about that with us today. We're going to talk about bows and, you know, uh, arrow flinging devices and uh, just have a good time, man. So, Thanks for being on, Nate, and, uh, you know, uh, for everybody that hasn't met Nate before, which, you know, you're probably living under a box or something like that or in a hole somewhere. Uh, Nate, why don't you shout out uh, your socials or where people can find you? Yeah, you can find me. First of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, and then secondly, you can find me over at Average Jack Archery, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that cool stuff. You got an archery question, shoot me an email, averagejackarcherygmail.com. Perfect. And I'll announce that, that he uh, actually answers too, guys. So um, like all reach of them. out to him. Like That's all, all I do in my all of them. If all, you, you know, write a legible time. sentence that ends with a question mark, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're getting started a little bit early here. We've uh, both of us have all had the scheduling going back and forth, and I can't remember how the time zones work. So I'm like last minute running up here to my computer to get this started. So uh, everything's going great now. We're going to make it work, guys. So. Uh, Dean, go ahead and introduce yourself and talk about your channel. You started a YouTube channel as well, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody wants to check it out, it's Lung Crusher 53. It's pretty basic. Um, just kind of go over some gear reviews that I use, try to answer any questions I can about Fletcher's camo, you know, you, you know, luggage, you know, anything you anything you got, I'll be I'll be just putting out some content. So like and subscribe, ask a question. Whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm game. And like I said, I, I, I appreciate Nate coming on too, and, and I can vouch for the fact that he actually does answer email because um, I've sent him quite a few, and, and he's always within probably a day, if not less, answers back. So that's, that's awesome. So, but you know, we're glad you're on, and so just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where, where you're at, and, and obviously you got the new, the new bow shop. Is it up and running? How's, how's that kind of going? Sure. So um, I'm based out of central Pennsylvania. We're here in the, you know, in the foothills, if you will, of Appalachia, uh, as it, you know, goes up towards north. I mean, I'm smack right in the center of the state. You picture the rectangle. That's where I'm at. Uh, deal with a lot of topography up here for hunting, a lot of big woods, timber, so on and so forth. Um, and then the archery side, we do a lot of IBO, a lot of 3D stuff. And so we have a lot of bow hunters out here. Um, and we've I live in a very rural part of the state, obviously, although we're not too far from Penn State University, which is obviously quite populous. The town as well, of course, all, all the students. And in the past several years, 
there has been an absolute travesty in terms of the lack of bow shops. We, we used to have probably a solid five or six within an hour's drive of my house. Um, and within the past five or six years, a lot of them, mostly for normal reasons, retirement, uh, you know, time to move on to a different thing. Uh, conglomerations have come together or corporations have come in and bought out, um, you know, perfectly normal stuff, but we're basically down within that one hour radius. And now almost a two hour radius, we went from about six or seven shops down to one. Uh, and it's really, it's really become a problem in the shops that are kind of still left. Um, the ones that are there have transitioned to maybe firearm sales. They're more into clothing or fishing or other outdoor recreations. COVID has kind of shifted a lot of that. Um, even though archery was big for the COVID timeframe in 2020, 2021. But we in particular here at the shop that I was working at before I started my own, uh, we're really starting to, to see a, a different paradigm shift to kind of just easier, more accessible ways to get into sport of archery, crossbows and, and so on and so forth. And so what has become a lack of is, is properly qualified bow technicians or people that still know how to work on bows. Because even though a lot of people have transitioned to different forms of outdoor recreation, there's still a boatload of bows out there that need worked on and people there's just not enough people who know how to work on them and at least in my shop we had four technicians and we're all working under one roof and it was just kind of a shame and I know that I was putting in countless hours I love my boss was fantastic he still is um, left under very good graces but it was time for me to start my own shop kind of spread the wealth a little bit offer some different brands offer a different perspective offer my own space my own methods um, and so my shop is going to be in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, the online side, for those of you that are listening that may, might want to try to support that aren't in PA, uh, will be AverageJackArchery.com. Uh, and we can ship you anything outside of like a flagship bow for most companies. So you want arrows, releases, broadheads, anything, uh, 100 bucks and up ships free from, from the shop. So uh, we will officially be an open storefront July 1st, 2022, which is coming up very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to like, get that sign up, bro. Right got to get that sign like, up. Like super fast. I was in. I put in a. Uh, I put in a twelve-hour workday at the shop, or a thirteen-hour workday at the shop yesterday, and I didn't start till noon. So, wow. <laughs> it was. We were burning. We were burning the midnight oil late last night, cutting for getting stuff for benches and bow press mounts and and bow rack mounts and just everything. The building that we're in is. Uh, uh, basically it's what used to be an old storage and mail sorting facility. So it's this big, long rectangle. So we'll, we'll have a 20 yard indoor range on the, in the basement floor. Um, that'll be an eight lane range. So 16 people, wow. uh, eight uh, on each shooting line. Uh, really excited for that for leagues, ladies nights, kid nights. Like I just, I just really want to get more and more people into the sport, more accessible. Uh, and then of course the first floor will be full retail pro shop. You got a crossbow or compound with the exception of like the Ravens that cock down like three inches wide. I can work on it and um, that'll be huge. And, and just offering that as an, in the central PA area, in that town, Phillipsburg PA, if anybody is in the PA area that knows, it's just a lot of interstates go through there. There's a high population there, a transient population. And, you know, after work, you need to go get a pack of broadheads after work. You need Nate to go check on your bowstring or well, you got to pick up your bow after work, you know, cause you're driving through town, whatever. I, I just feel like it's a really good, a lot of accessibility. And I think a lot of people make, good use of it because there are still a boatload of bow hunters out there and you're going to build arrows form of you yeah your, if someone wants something custom right. built yeah we'll be uh we are officially a victory and gold tip dealer uh we're bringing black eagle in on a distributor basis so you know not not every shaft will be offered but if you want you know something fancy like that you want fletched up inserted 
you know, 100 grains of brass or the special thing. You want feathers, four fletch, you know, Q2I, whatever you want. We'll be able to do it for you. Great. That's awesome, That's awesome man, because I have uh, down here, I had a... <clears throat> uh archery shop that was down the road from me for about 15 minutes away and it was always so convenient to go in there and just get some work done but uh i really found out how few bow shops i have around me in, in this area whenever that one closed down the guy that owned it like you said he he gone in and he decided okay like it's just getting too much to keep up with he was older he had retired uh his family tried to run it for a little bit and then whenever he passed on they like okay like we just don't have the wealth of knowledge to keep this thing going on so we ended up getting you just shutting the doors and you know from that point on it's like oh now where do i go it's like i can go you know and I, I live just south of houston and it's like i can go on the west side of west houston archery and that's almost an hour from me i can go up to spring on the north side of houston and that's an hour and a half from me i can go down south and there's we just actually had our last podcast we found out there's some guys that are down about 45 minutes south of me but it's just like it's almost like a desert for bow shops in here and it's like you know it's mm -hmm. it's not a i mean, like i know you said on videos before it's a great way to throw away a whole bunch of money you know but uh, <laughs> it's like oh it's <laughs> huge if you there are two ways to get rid of money Pouring it, pouring gasoline over it, lighting on fire, and opening a bow shop. Two ways, and they're both they're brilliant. They're, they're both equally bad choices, actually. Equally horrible choices. Yeah. Well, that's, you're that's better you know off that the giving owner a toddler. Honest. You're better off giving a toddler a million dollars and putting him in the candy aisle at Walmart <laughs> than you are, because at least somebody's winning. You know? right, right, right. Um, but no, but all kidding aside, it is. It's quite. It, and, and the other thing too, like on top of it, you know, being an expensive upfront, but it, it's a labor of love and the knowledge base. Mm -hmm. Again, this goes back to what I said earlier. Like I've had so many people say, Hey, I'd love to come help you shoot, pay me cash under the table. I'll come help for free. And I'm like, listen, like I trust very few people to, to do it right. And, and, and to an extent, well, with a lot of the shops too, they're smaller, their reputations on the line. Mm -hmm. Right. So if they bring in somebody else, and they might be doing the best they've got. They might be doing um, everything in their power to, you know, install a DLU correctly or make sure you don't have peep twist. One bad experience with that secondary quote unquote person. Now your whole shop is mud. Right. And we, and we just can't, you know, that, and that's really tough because I feel for those shops. I really do. Cause I've seen them. I've worked in them. I've worked around them. Um, and it's, but it's almost impossible to do solo, even though I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun journey either way. Right. Oh, it's gonna be a journey, yeah. pilgrimage, yeah. whatever you yeah. want to call it. It's, it's, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> so, for those uh, kind of new guys out there, you know, talked before you kind of went live. What's what's kind of your approach to never guy walking in says, "Hey, look, my buddies want to take me bow hunting. Don't anything about it." You know, what's uh, what's your advice to those newbies out there? How do they pick a bow? What do they look for? What do they stay away from? What questions to ask, and you know, be able to kind of journey you know that that or navigate that journey i guess yeah yeah and that's a great that's that's a great thing because we get that a lot hey i want to i want to get into but we saw that a lot with like i said back to covid hey want to get an archery okay where do you start well you go on youtube and then just have your brain explode yeah or you can go into your local shop if you have one the first question you got or then the question the first thing you say listen my top <clears throat> budget line is this can i walk out of the shop under this budget line and if you have somebody who's obviously know what stock they have on the wall they should be able to say okay i can get you i mean everything releases arrows rest bow etc you need to pick a hard line because 
in archery, it's easy to pick a $400 bow and then have $800 in accessories. It's super mm-hmm. simple to do that. So that's the number one thing. When someone walks in is have a hard budget, know what that budget needs to be, do a little bit of research, like pick, you know, compound bow packages, find out. And that number is usually in the four to 600 range. And if that's what you can afford, stick to that because nearly every manufacturer offers something in that price range. Mm-hmm. Reputable manufacturer, PSE, Bear, Diamond, a lot of them in the budget stuff. And then of course, flagships are out the wazoo. So number one is pick that. And then the number two thing is don't overestimate your strength. Do not overestimate it. You think you could do 50, 60, 70 pounds, just, just pump the brakes a little bit. Think 45. Think 50 is like your good starting. But if you're a full-grown dude, 40 to 50 pounds is perfectly normal with today's equipment. It's pretty smooth. It's easy to do. But stick to your budget. Don't think you're going to be cranking 70, 80 pounds. It's cool to watch Crispy do it. But he's been shooting, you know, since he was in diapers. So that type of stuff, those are probably the two biggest pieces of mentality to go into and then just learn to build off of those. Because you, you, your draw length, obviously, but your draw length is so dependent on the type of bow that you're going to be shooting you know, your physique and all that sort of stuff. And hopefully you have a reputable shop that's able to help you out with that. That was a really good point you made about the, uh, uh, the draw. And it's, it's, it's funny because I've, you know, I just got a new bow. It's a 80 pound, uh, prime inline five. And I love the bow, but it's funny because I'll have guys come over to the house like, Oh, this is your bow, man. And you know, the first thing they want to do is, Hey, can I shoot it? And I was like, I really don't recommend it for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> but the first one is, is the, the reason I'm like, okay, fine. I'll kind of like let it. Cause I know they can't pull it back, you know? And it's like, not that they're a stronger, some of them are, like I say, probably even just as strong or strong or stronger than I am, but they've never really used those muscles to that extent. They don't oh. really know how to engage those muscles in the proper way to make that work. And so it's funny. Cause you can have like, I think, uh, Cam Haynes did this on one of his YouTube videos where he had Mark Bell, who's like a power lifter, try to shoot a bow, and you can see him just struggling with it. And it's just, you've never activated those muscles in that sequence. So starting out for your first bow, something like 40, 50 pounds, you know, it's like, okay, like, can you do this? Okay, can you go consistently for, let's say, 60 shots, 50, 60 shots, you know? And then from there, if you're like, okay, well, that's really easy. Like, okay, well, maybe we can step it up a little bit. And I think having some of the, a lot of those bows and that, that four to $600 range that are really flexible where you can just, you know, turn a screw on the limbs or something like that and adjust that draw weight. I think that's really important. So look, if you're looking for a new bow, I think that's something flexibility to grow with that thing is, is, is a huge thing to look at. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah. And, and, and no one has, this is again, this is like another phrase that I've said to people in the shop online in person, no one has ever developed um, bad habits faster by shooting lower poundage. You develop bad habits and poor control by just trying to launch and get as fast and high, quick and heavy as possible. You know, you could shoot 45 pounds the rest of your life and have the best form, the best execution, and your arrow just goes slower. And you feel maybe a little less manly on the inside. Big freaking deal. <laughs> You're right. Big freaking deal. Because yeah. you can be like, I'm going to go crank 70, and you just you try to get to 70 as fast as you can. You're working out. You're doing this, that, and everything. Then you get to 70 pounds, and you're you have a funky draw. You're not you're 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 not efficient with it. You're you tire out faster. You're not really working on form, and all of a sudden now you have target panic or worse. And and if you had just stayed at 45 and just and dealt with it, you'd been a lot better off. So yeah, and then and then a lot of those bows have that flexibility. You know, 10 to 70 pounds, or some of the mid-price bears are have like a 15 pound pound range, which I think is great. I wish every flagship bow had a 15 pound weight range. I think they'd sell 20 times more of them than if they just had 10. Um, but yeah, there's just the, the the more flexibility you have there, 
to kind of grow with the bow. I know it feels very intermediate and beginner, but modern day bows are just so much better than what they were 10 years ago when it came to the bud, quote unquote budget or intermediate beginner level. They're just, they're eons. They're eons better. That was one thing I found too, is like I said, when shooting this bow, my other bow was a, uh, uh, Martin Max 33 from 2018, and uh, it was a great bow. It was 70 pounds, but it had a real aggressive draw cycle. And uh, again, it's lasted me several years, and it's a great bow. But like I say, whenever I came to try out all the bows, I did a video where I tried out uh, pretty much all the bows from the past two years in one form or another. Some of them, it literally just once I held the grip in my hand, I was like, okay, there's no way I'm going to love you like this bow. So I didn't even shoot some of them, but uh, I at least tried them out and then like i say whenever i started finding i was like dude okay if this is at 70 pounds and this is you know it feels like a six my older 60 pound bow that i used to shoot like 80 pounds for me should be no no problem and for me like i say it was but i've been shooting for five six seven years now i think so you know but like i say for having that flexibility to start off like start off 40 50 okay well that's easy then go up to 60 because i always encourage people it's like if you can become more lethal in some way or another i i guarantee that it's a great thing to do you know so if you can go to the gym and train and i think it's better for your health that way too you can increase your strength your stability and your muscles and everything uh, it's a good idea, but like I say, I think there's a, uh, it's kind of like going through grade school. It's like, you don't start doing algebra in kindergarten, you know, you don't start doing, you know, all, calculus in junior high, you know? So I think there's, you got to kind of work up to something like that, but I always encourage people like, if you can go take that next step up, I think it's a good thing to do because I think it makes you a little bit more lethal in a lot of different aspects. So. I like, you know, one of the things I always kind of think about too is, you know, I've been thinking, you know, we've talked about this before, Travis, I have about going up to 70 pounds. I shoot 65 right now and uh, have killed anything I wanted to kill. Yeah. So yeah, I've not had any issues with it. But one thing I talked to the the bow guys about, because I, I got emailed Nate about the Matthews when he answered me about the, the new bow smell. And uh, their response to me was, you know, how far are you truly going to shoot? one and two can you hold that 65 pounds for a long period of time if that animal's moving or they change direction you're cold you're amped up and i'm like yes so they said then leave it alone i mean there's no reason to go any higher i mean you're dialed in that you know and i thought that was very fair of them to say that and it made a lot of sense right so that's my two cents on Poundage. living in, living in <laughs> familiar living in that comfort right it, yeah. you, you need your bow to be comfort food right if you feel uncomfortable or you feel disorganized when you're shooting or 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 if you're like one day you've got it nailed the next day you feel like you're you're just so out of whack then then you need to take a step back and look at the situation and go what am i doing or or what am i overdoing or am i trying to force right and you just can't you can't force it Right. And if you're comfortable at something and this is this is why I did a video, I don't know, a couple months back about the whole like a bow wound out to 60 pounds versus being, you know, all the way in at 70 and the efficiency and all that garbage. And it was basically because there are guys that mentally can't handle the fact that a, it's a 70 pound bow that's wound down to 60 pounds because it's not mm -hmm. as efficient. Oh, will I ever be able to shoot an arrow? <laughs> oh, it's just oh, everything's going to explode. And, yeah. and I mean, I've seen it. I've watched guys have absolute panic attacks because i i tell them they're like i want this bow i'm like okay but i want it in a 60 pound peak 
okay, well, I have it right now in 70 and I'll wind it to 60. But if you want me to order it in the 60, I can, but you got to wait four to six weeks. And I can literally see their brain melting <laughs> out of their ears because they can't, they, they, they want the bow in front of them oh, so bad, but their brain wants them to have the real. And it's like, dude, just chill. Right. But like, um, I, one phrase I've been saying a lot recently, because now we're starting the shop, is that I can't sell you confidence. I can't sell you confidence, but you can buy it, mm. right? I cannot sell you confidence, but you can buy it. And if you feel confident with something when you're shooting in the shop, right? You pick up a bear, let's say. Like, oh, this feels great. My hand going back to the grip thing you were saying, like you picked it up and you're like, I just knew this was not going to happen. If you pick something up and you're like, that doesn't feel comfortable, then don't even consider it, mm-hmm. right? Pick it up. And go, oh, that feels good. Okay, then shoot it. Does it feel good to shoot? Cool. Put it on the rack and say, this is an option. If you pick something up, I don't care what the brand is on the limb sticker. If you pick it up and you're like, I just don't like how this feels, you're not going to like it in an hour. Mm. So don't walk, don't buy it. If that initial, a bow is very different. You want to pick that thing up and be like, this feels good in your hand because you're going to be shooting it for a while. You want it to be comfortable right out of the gate. And that's a yeah. big thing too, because I had that kind of uh, for me it was kind of an existential crisis because for a long time I've been shooting these Martin bows. I've had two of them, and they were just great, and they were quieter than a lot of bows out there. They were like you know significantly cheaper for the features you got. There's a lot of good things about it, but then like you know started coming down to it, and I felt like I realized you know uh, that that I, I was hanging on to, I was waiting for their their new bows to be released. You know, which I don't even think I think they, the 2022 bows still haven't come out. But I was waiting for him. I was just, I uh, realized like, okay, like I've gone past, um, you know, getting something that's right. And I've just been sitting there waiting for this brand. You know, it's usually the opposite where people see, you know, like you said, Chris B shooting a, a Hoyt or then it switches to Matthews and they want to go sell their Hoyt so they can go buy a Matthews or something like that, you know. But uh, for me, it was, it was funny because it was kind of the opposite. I was kind of attached to that smaller brand. But eventually I started shooting them and I realized like, you know, that, like I say, it's not about the brand. It's just literally every year you can go pick up all the different bows and you can find something that completely fits you different or something you <clears> like <throat> that you didn't know existed. And so I always recommend people just try out everything you can possibly get your hands on. Mm-hmm. I traveled to four different states to go to different bow shops. I was in Missouri, twice in Missouri, Texas, Louisiana, and uh, I think like somewhere out east, I can't remember. But anyways, I went to four different states to try all the different bow shops, all the different bows I could get my hands. Oh, Salt Lake City, Utah. That's right. So, like I say, I always recommend just like the variety is the spice of life. And same thing with archery, man. Don't get locked. Don't lock yourself in. Don't you know walk out there if you find something that works. Great, you know, share your experience with people. So, if you're gonna buy a thousand, I'll say this, and then I'll let I'll let Dean talk here. If you're gonna if you're gonna buy, <laughs> I have to. If you're gonna drop a thousand dollars on a bow. Do not make up your mind before you walk into the store. Mm. Anybody who's listening, if you're going to drop a thousand, I don't care if you like the look of it, please. Every single bow that you can find with an red Martin, PSE, Athens, Prime, Bear, Elite, Hoyt, whatever, Matthews, whatever you can find, do it. Because if if you don't, you 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 potentially could miss the bow that's going to fit you best and you're dropping a thousand bucks if it was like three hundred dollars whatever man do the roulette it doesn't matter but it's a thousand bucks please make the effort if you i hate it when guys are like i'm gonna buy my very first flagship bow cool i will set all of these we carried five bow brands in in our in the store that i worked at and and i'd be like i'll set all these flagship no i think i'm just gonna shoot that one and i'm like okay 
would you like to try the other, maybe another one, maybe one that's comparable, maybe the same size? Nope. I think I'm just going to try that one. And it pained me because he'd go downstairs, he'd chew three airs, be like, yeah, that feels good. I'm like, all right, man, it's your wallet. And I would set it up for him and I kick him out the door. And I felt bad because like, and particularly if you're like a, I don't want to say normal size dude, but if you're like in that, that like five, eight to six, one range, and you don't have a really gangly draw length or super short one, there's a lot of good bows that fit you out there. Yeah. That's and, uh, that, this guy right here. Yeah. <laughs> six, four, like three <laughs> options. <laughs> so like but if you're if you're like a 28 to 29 strolling please for the love of god trial the bows all right dean please yeah no that's a, that's a funny segue because i'm literally in that that category you know like i, I got a 26 inch draw i'm 5 8 right like I, I i literally am blessed with like no compensation factors at all. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I constantly have to tinker and mess with FOC and, and I get down these wormholes and it just drives me crazy, you know? And, and, you know, again, I just need to figure out what it is and just stop tinkering almost, you know? <laughs> right. So, but it's, and, it's, it's it, funny. It, that's a perfect thing too. Is like I say, it's, it's really easy to get into that. And like I say, I, I highly encourage people once you really start diving into archery to, to really tinker with everything, you know, try things out, <clears throat> you know, like I say something you'll find, okay, well that doesn't work or that works great, you know? And, but the biggest thing is, is if it does all the gear in the world doesn't matter if you can't be consistent yeah. with yeah. it, you know? And so consistency is like, I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, like you said, if you can be consistent with 60, 65 pounds and you're dropping them, like, do you really need to change everything? Like you say, you're comfortable there. You're working at it. Great. Well, now you're saying like, okay, let's say you're in a situation where you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm having trouble with this, that, or the other. Well, like, no, it's time to change things up, try something new, but it doesn't always have to be the top of the line. It doesn't have to be the flagship. And yeah, I think it's a big uh, misconception, you know, like you don't have to go, you know, go all, all the way, ramp it up to 10 and try to rip off the knobs. So. Well, it's the, it's the, it's the marketing factor, right? I mean, they, some of those companies have some great, sexy marketing you know oh, yeah. and, not and, some and, and, one one, <laughs> one has amazing marketing <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah it's like what There's, would you do here well the bow yeah. is about yeah. 0.2 pounds lighter and, right uh, <laughs> yeah. well it's we funny put, too we, we, take we, your hole, we draw the hole here right. <laughs> we take your sight we put it inside the bow <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. i'm not kidding and this i've been telling this story ever since it happened the matthews v3x dropped it dropped and that night i probably received three phone calls nate should i upgrade from my v3 and i'm like I haven't even held the V3X, but considering it has the same two letter and number combination, it's probably the same exact bow. Right. And, uh, but they don't want to hear that. Right. The, the marketing scheme, the mark, I was talking, I actually was talking with a, with another YouTuber at TAC this week, past weekend. And he said, I don't know why everybody isn't just looking what Matthews is doing and just doing that exact same thing. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, anybody who's not doing that is stupid and i was like that's exactly right yeah yeah well you know it's it's even even like sites you know I and mean, i've been going back and forth with the easy v and then i just got the black gold single pin just because i'm older and too much stuff on my face just drives me crazy anymore um but it's it's funny because it's you're right that that inline deal and i was looking at that dialed archery site that's yes out. 
uh, that looks super interesting, you know, to me, yeah. just again, just because I can't cl- specifically tack, I would never shoot anything. I would think last day of elk, maybe I might launch a 60 yarder. Right. But that's just not me, you know, um, but going to tack and having that ability to be able to reach out for those hundred yard shots. and my flexions can clear would be huge to me. Yeah. Right. But it's one purpose for a $500 site. That's hard to justify. <laughs> Pretty you much, know? you know, pretty but, much, but we had a, a question on there. Somebody chimed in. Uh, how do you gauge what weight and draw you should use? What weight and what draw? So if it feels uncomfortable to draw, it's too much. Okay. That's, that's pretty straightforward. If it feels like you are exerting to the point where like you get like maybe half a dozen shots in and you feel tired, it's too much. It's just too much. If you feel strained, it's too much. For uh, for draw length in particular, I got a couple of videos on my channel about draw length uh, and and finding the right draw length for you. Um, but predominantly, if you can just kind of like take your wingspan or your height, depending on which one you want to try to use. I have longer wingspan than I do height, but um, and divide it by two point five. That's going to get you in inches. That's going to get you a good ballpark, and that's going to put you in the right number. You can get away with a draw length that's too short. You're going to hurt yourself if you do a draw length that's too long. Uh, eventually, it's too long. Um, there's a lot of dangers to that, to your physical body, but also your face. Um, so, uh, shoot. Yeah. I, I actually for years shot a bow at like 29 inches. And then I realized I was like six foot three at the time. And I was like, I probably need to extend this out. And so, was, so then I shot 30 and a half and I was like, Oh, this feels so much better. <laughs> like cramped up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was terrible. I don't I look at pictures of my, like my front arms, like bent in half. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't look good. Right. Yeah. You got to look good to kill something. I mean, it, it is what it is. Oh, yeah. You got yeah. listen, listen, yeah. the, 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 um, the people who follow the 3d tournaments don't want to take pictures of, of dweebs, you know, right, they, they right, want to right. get good. Got to fill the Instagram. Yeah. Well, I figured this year, um, was humbling. We did the San Antonio tack. And I've discovered this year that I, I'm incapable of hitting a 3D target, but if it's live, no problem. <laughs> so that was my like take period? away from TAC this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was all, well, I, I got a new release too, and I didn't adjust that I scrapped it. The release, yeah. my range finder, it's yeah, foggy. It wind, it's, they were giving wind. me way too many compliments. You know, I mean, it started it raining a little bit. Yeah, I raining. knew I should have <laughs> ran a four fledge. Ah, oh, you know. <laughs> I was reaching for every excuse. This is put it that way. <laughs> the uh, uh, I guess is always an interesting challenge for me because uh, I, I shoot without a without a peep, and uh, you know, it's oh. just, yeah, and uh, it was really interesting on those uh, some of those shots because again, I'm always tinkering as well. And what I did is I forgot to serve in my nose button, which is my one like kind of consistent anchor point that I use instead of a peep sight there. Uh, and I, I forgot to serve in above and below it to make sure it didn't slide anywhere. And so the first day, of course, it starts raining on us. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoop. And then I remember I had the exact same problem at the attack San Antonio last year. Where I forgot to serve it in and it moved on me. And then I'm starting to shoot up and above. But my left and right was great, man. My left and right. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. So what's, yeah. uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say at 100 yards, peepless, you might as well just close your eyes. yeah it was weird because last year i was shooting with my martin as a 70 pound martin i was shooting 580 grain arrows and so it was literally yeah (laughs) it was it was literally just uh 
Who let you out of the house? Oh, dude. <laughs> hey, you know what the weird thing was is 20, great. 40, I was on I was on target. I did really good. Yeah. 60, everything was under 70, everything was over, or like it was it was really hard. I was using a five pin site, but at a hundred, I was nailing them, dude. 100, 120, I hit those shots, you know. No kidding. And no kidding. I don't don't understand it, but all the people that were shooting with me were just like awestruck by that arc. You know, it's just like <laughs> <laughs> you see that arrow like a rainbow over. Hey man, uh, I still got more penetration in the phone. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what counts. So that's a that's another great segue. Um you know, when you're talking to people too with FOC and and trajectory and you know all that where, where do you kind of i know you've got a bunch of again a bunch of videos on that too with you and the ranch ferry kind of going back and forth but um you know what's where, where do you kind of fall in that that bell curve so to speak yeah which is funny yeah i call it the bell curve right so <laughs> i <laughs> the phrase so many phrases um uh i i fall i i don't let me let me back up. So FOC is fantastic if you're if you really want to get a lot of FOC. There are two ways to go about it. One way is you are are built as an archer who can achieve a lot of FOC or front of center weight rather easily. Uh, you're shooting a lighter poundage uh, arrow, or meaning that you're shooting a lighter GPI arrow, so the arrow tube itself doesn't weigh that whole much, uh, and you're not worried about trajectory past like 20, 25 yards. So like my wife's arrows, for example, I could load her up. All She shoots like 40 pounds of 25-inch draw. I could load her up because she's not hunting past 20 yards, right? So the difference in speed for her between like 160 feet a second and 180 feet a second means nothing, means nothing to her. Um, because really the, the drop is, is, is negligible. So that's really beneficial. Um, or you spend a lot of money. So for example, somebody like me, uh, I would need to spend a decent amount of change on a light GPI arrow in order to, that's durable enough to hunt with, to then put a lot of front of center mass on in order to get FOC. I don't fall into the short person category and I I'm cheap. So I stick with standard diameter arrows that weigh standard amounts of weight, put a stock insert, maybe if I'm feeling frisky, like 50 grains and like 125 grain point. And most of my arrows are between 11 and 13% FOC. And I've been blowing through deer since the early 2000s. Um, so it's, that's just kind of the method I've done with it. And, and, and then kind of from a shop perspective technician owner perspective the industry and i know the industry it sounds like the deep state or something but the industry is is meant and it has been fabricating arrows on the premise that you're going to use their things with what they expect you to build 100 grain 125 or 150 grain points those three point weights have been around since gosh as the standard since the mid nineties, right? We had 70 in 85 and 90 grain points for a while there too. But for the past 30 years, it's been those three grain weights. And so aero companies have been very comfortable up until about what, 2018 producing arrows with the expectation of, I build a chart, here's your draw length, here's your draw weight, here's the length of arrow. And they've been producing that and it's been working. Millions of deer have died. Um, but then what came about there probably in the, right before 2009, 2010 was massive mechanicals, right? Mm -hmm. Two and a half, three inch cuts, slap cut this, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden people are not tuning their equipment because their boat technician doesn't know what they're doing or they don't have one. 
uh, and they're shooting huge mechanicals. When they when they were shooting muzzies, they never had a problem. You know, a three blade broadhead or of, of some type or two or four blade fixed blade. And so that's where I think this really this big FOC push has come from is because we're trying to go back to what we all had positive results with. And the most aggressive <laughs> fall off the cliff way to get there is to have massive amounts of overall weight, which usually directly correlates with FOC. So what I've been trying to do personally in my own kind of pilgrimage, if you will, is to bring people back to where we were 15 years ago when the arrow industry was just making arrows and inserts and point weights that we all expected to use and just learn how to tune your bow hmm. and work on tuning your bow. Learn what your learn what your grip is all about. Learn what your face pressure is all about, uh, because you are 90 percent of the problem. And if you can solve how you shoot the bow, get in tune with your bow, actually tune your bow with the arrow system, you can blow through white tails. If you switch to a fixed blade, I feel, I feel more comfortable <laughs> than yeah. shooting a mechanical. Uh, that goes yeah. for anybody. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really 90% of the problem. Um, and I think the FOC is an easy way to get there. It's a fall, like I said, a fall off the cliff way. I just don't like spending over amounts of money when I don't have to, to build such systems. Sure. It's like just putting a baseball on a string and slinging it down there yeah pretty much yeah, i mean yeah. and but again again if you are willing to just pay the money for it it's it's a very quick fix hmm. it is a very quick fix to a problem that a lot of people have had but i don't like quick fixes i want you to work on your form i want you to work on your bow and i want you to use the arrows that we have been using for literally decades without a problem so where do you on your total grain weight do you is there a you know, that 480, 500, like where, where you try to get your, my arrow hunting arrows last yeah. year with the lighted knock for 466 grains. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So most of my arrows, um, are, I shoot 300 spine arrows cause I have a super long draw and I shoot 60 pounds. Um, so most of my arrows with a lighted knock are usually between that 465 and 485 range. Okay. Yeah. That's where that, they are. For that kind of makes sense. And so, cause I think mine are, hovering because of my weight and draw length mine are right at like 510 511 similar build is what you're talking about with the 125 up front so, right but yeah. that's that's also not obscene yeah. right right that's <laughs> yeah. not like we were we were doing that with aluminums back in the again the 90s even up some guys were still hunting with them religiously through the early 2000s mm -hmm. you know so the aluminum arrows are naturally quite heavy we had no mm -hmm. problems with those Right. So, you know, we, we kind of forgotten those very high quality arrows as well. That's sure. one thing I was, I really liked about uh, whenever I started doing more tinkering after going up to an 80 pound bow too, is that I could, I feel like I had a lot more of a threshold, like where I, I can go down to, you know, a 450 grain arrow, or I could go up to a 550, almost 600 grain arrow. And I've got so much uh play in there because i don't have to worry about going too light or you know with the you know if i had sorry dean if i had dean's <laughs> draw length and you know draw draw 60 pounds or whatever and i'm using like a you know i i wouldn't want to go down to like a 350 grain arrow or something like that but i've got so much uh input poundage you know it feels like it gives me a little bit more leeway and it's kind of opened me up to being able to tinker with stuff and i've been able to actually kind of reduce I, I went down from a 550 grain arrow to a 470 grain arrow and I'm, I'm getting I picked up about 10 feet a second or so or a little bit more I can't remember what it was before but I uh, picked up at least about 10 feet a second or so on those arrows and you know flatter trajectory and uh, it just it feels a lot better I think so anyways being able to tinker like that with with that 
higher poundage bows. One of the reasons <laughs> I went up there is have more leeway there. Do you have do you have a preference on your your broadheads? You said you don't like mechanicals, but is there just one? Do you just I just like this one for what for whatever reason? I'm a big Magnus fan. I've been hunting with Magnus since I was a kid. Um, I shot their 85 grain two blade stingers for years out of uh, with um, 1916 Red Eagle aluminum arrows. Those things bent if you looked at them. And uh, they were horrible. Uh, four inch black. I still have a couple downstairs. Four inch uh, left wing black and red feathers. And uh, I shot them out of a 45 pound Alpine micro. I killed my first four point buck with that. Uh, wow. With that bow. Um, and it zipped right through him. He was like 15 yards. I mean, just I mean, that that arrow could not have weighed more than 330 grains. Wow. And uh, it just it just zipped right through them. So I strongly recommend cut on contact fixed blade broadheads. My personal recommendation is Magnus. Um, and I bought a lot of their heads. Uh, lifetime guarantee. Uh, not lifetime guarantee, but lifetime replacement. Full warranty. No questions asked. Mm. Um, the iron wheels are really good uh, mm-hmm. as well. That's that's that was a real popular head. I right when they first started, I got to test a whole bunch from Bill and Eric. Those were fantastic. Um, there's a lot of really good quality. A lot of people like the day six stuff, which I have yeah. not touched. I have not touched those at all. Um, but I mean, even even the old standbys, like your slick trick standards and your muzzy three blades, the Montex, oh, the um, this the uh, G5 strikers are phenomenally sharp, wonderful heads. Um, but yeah, there, if I, I, I get happier when I convert somebody over to fixed plates when they yeah. come into the job, we are uh, going to be doing a pig hunt at some point before elk season starts. And we've got some, I got, I picked up some day sixes, so I'll email you and let you know if it blows. Oh yeah, please do. And, uh, and then tooth of the arrow was the other one that, uh, that I want to try. Okay. And then I just got in, I bought one severed, which is a mechanical. Yes. Um, because somebody was telling me that like, you got to try it. You got to try it. So I thought, you know what, for, you know, 15 bucks for one, I'll launch it and see what happens, you know, and at least I'll know, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you know, they're cool. You can is. buy by the one too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just having one in the, have one in the quiver for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Last year I used the, uh, probably use them again this year is the uh, crafted archery arrow one pretty unique. We got a mean single bevel on it. It's not a super, I think it's like a inch, inch and a half or inch and an eighth cut. But uh, we on the pig hunt we did last year, uh, I drilled this pig and it went in uh, behind the ribs and it came out the front of the skull. Yeah. And uh, oh my, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, that's a that's a mean single bevel. It was, man. It was crazy. And that then you cool resharpened it and shot another one, didn't you? I think, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just being able to just run it over a knife hone and cut paper with it, go back out and shoot it again. That was, that was awesome. That's pretty legit. So, uh, you know, talking about tuning your bows, uh, you know, where do you sit as far as like helical? Do you, do you go left helical, right helical? I mean, do you, do you, do you test your bows for that at all? Or um, In terms of natural clocking or casting, I would argue that 95% of the strings that come with bows are, they have a right twist to them, uh, which means they're going to cast to the left. Um, so I would say 95% of the bows that come out of the factory are going to have a left clock to them or a natural left cast with their things. I had never fussed with it until people started asking me to go fuss with it for them. Um, I'd always shot right helical two to three degree right helical. Cause mm-hmm. it just, it screws the points back into the, into the arrows when right, they go right. into the target. Yeah. Um, but then a couple of years ago, some people were like, well, you, you should probably fuss with this and then talk about it on YouTube. So I decided to do it. 
Um, and I, the past two years, have been shooting everything left offset or left helical. And maybe there's a skosh more forgiveness. Like, I, you know, if I make a bad shot, it's still bad, but it's less bad. Um, broadheads fly exactly the same. I kill the same number of deer. I don't know. It doesn't, I, I, I'm just going to keep doing it left just because that's like all my jigs right now are curly set up to left. I'm too lazy to move. <laughs> like I have three bits and burgers downstairs all set up to the left. And I just really don't want to recalibrate them. Oh man. I, I hate clutch and arrows, man. I, I, I hate it. I've, I shouldn't I started, say that as a shop owner, but I hate it. Well, we uh, got we got we got a good a good person for you to to get in touch with. I'll, I'll let Travis talk to it. There we uh, go. But I'll I'll, gra- I'll grab one so I can show it to you while 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 Nate there is on. <laughs> so sponsor this video is Easy Veins. <laughs> so no, I started. Uh, I I hated flushing so much and just you know trying to deal with this stuff and having a single vein pop off of my arrows and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I want to try something. So I, at first, I went and I tried the. Uh, uh, zinger fletches and they, they work pretty good i used them on that pig hunt we did last year but then after that this guy commented on one of my videos or his review and those and he said hey have you tried easy beans i was like no i sure haven't and he goes i'll send you a test pack and or, or whatever and i paid like i think i got me like a discount or something but he sent them to me and i was like oh my god like i love these because i don't have to fletch arrows anymore they're durable as hell I shot them through a target like 15 times like intentional pass-throughs and they look brand new and they came out the other side and so i'm like and you can order them in a three degree, a five degree, you know, whatever helical you want. And uh, yeah, they got all different shapes and sizes. So yeah. anyway, that's pretty just, slick. Yeah. And so but that's you, what I've been running for a while. I don't know if you guys, if that's coming on the camera. Oh yeah. It's, that's a boatload of helical there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, that's, that's one thing I've been using. I'm trying to, we talked to these guys from this, uh, see any custom outdoor services <clears> here. That's a, you know, near a shop near me. And uh, I want to try to give uh, some for him uh, so he can try them out because, like I say, they're pretty awesome. Don't have to worry about all that mess. And, you know, like I say, if you lose, like, one little thing, you just pop it off, slide another one on, you're good to go. And they're cheap. Yeah. They're way lighter. I think uh, the whole four-fletch with a the wrap, I guess, that's included built into it, it's like 16 to 20 grains or something like that. So pretty amazing stuff, man. Did you, did you talk about the, the – I've got the zingers, too. Um mm-hmm. You know, you said you didn't. Those were those flew pretty good, but you didn't. Yeah, go the, the, zing, the zingers were good. They 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 flew pretty good. The only problem was is they were loud. Uh, they got a very aggressive uh, kind of uh, what's the word like a, just a texture there's to a, them. Yeah, there's the, there's the zinger. Yeah, he they shot the zingers. You did a video on that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Them. Is that the is that the one that has like a ninety degree corner on the back end? Yep. Yeah. That was yeah. The so they, one. yeah. So so their Gen two actually is is rounded. It's parabolic on the back end and is significantly quieter. Yeah. Yeah, they're much better. Quieter. I I really like them. Like I said, a I, uh, um, I wish they had more shape options. I guess you know, or a little yeah. bit different. Uh, I do like that the the plastic is a lot more flexible, or it's almost rubber now on the on the version twos. Uh, they are much quieter. They got rid of all those layer lines. They're much more durable. Yes. That was the thing I had too. Like if I hit a target, pop through once, or if I hit an animal and they popped off, that you know, like I say, they would like fletch and fray, or so the fletchings would tear on the layer lines and stuff like that. So, 
but uh, yeah, they're they're good. They're great. Like I said, I just prefer the the Easy Veins a little bit more traditional style. Um, they're a little bit lighter, and uh, like I said, I like that they have a bunch of different options and shape options. And instead, yeah, of, I'm gonna have to check them out because yeah, sure. uh, yeah, those are the thing I like. They like I say again, I love the zingers. They're good, and I recommend people try them out if they want to try them. But they only came in an offset as well, whereas with the uh easy veins that come in offset helical or basically anything you want so and i think even attack one of the things that was kind of neat that's why i was asking about the the clock in was they're they're flexible enough that you actually turned yours even more to get more of a helical on yours at tack too right because they're they're yeah they're and that that's something enough, i was you know yeah so i accidentally undersized one so i got uh 235 spine arrows after ordering uh veins easy veins for 300 but i was like i'll just see what it and it it fit it was just tighter right but what i found was is with it being tight like that i could actually twist the top part of the vein and i could do like a variable helical so i could go from like straight to three degree to five degree and i told the guy brendan that makes them he's uh over in australia but i told him i was like dude i sent him a video i was like look you should make a thing where you could send a test kit to somebody where you're like okay this is your arrow let's intentionally undersize it and put like a gauge like a wrap over the top of it and then you can like turn it to say okay well this is three degrees this is five degrees and then shoot your arrows with that and you'd be the only person on the market with that idea so yeah he's gonna look into that it'd be cool because we're i'm I'm looking working with some guys too to your point uh with the with the broadhead unscrewing just have a reverse threaded broadhead to negate any of that problem with Mm -hmm. it you know with your left helical you're really going to the weeds now. Like that's <laughs> he goes deep, man. <laughs> you know. And that's could you imagine how many frustrated bow technicians there would be in the world? Is this one of those stinking reverse thread inserts? <laughs> and now everybody knows about it. I probably shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> you better Just gave away the secret sauce, man. Deep, those oh, deep no. They're already on the machine shop making it. And I'm going to come out with one to test it. I'll be like, I'm, I finally did it. And there'll be a hundred of muzzies sitting on, yeah. on target. <laughs> You better better hey, be careful. As Josh long as Bomar it lasts longer than deep six broadheads lasted. <laughs> you're, right, you're right. Yeah. If you're not careful, Josh Bomar will patent it and call it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So Nate, um, you don't probably know that story, but I started uh, making my own uh, archery gear and stuff here, where I'm printing. I made my own uh, nose buttons and stuff, and uh, some uh, little rings that I use for uh, like your rear anchor, like that you can wear. Yeah. Lock that in. And uh, I got a cease and desist letter from Bomar Archery saying that they had patented the nose button and nobody could make it. And that I basically I had to if I don't uh, like stop selling them right now, that they're going to come after me and I have to do all this stuff. I'm like, dude, I've made like two hundred dollars on these things. You really got to. And yeah, they were serious, man. They came at me wow. hard. So I was like, all right, I got to stop selling them. So wow. I got I got literally just boxes of them sitting back here. I can't do anything with them. Well, Nate, so I guess the, the last question while well, we got you coming up on an hour, um, I know it's getting late there for you. So that ARD, it was really interesting. So have, have you went out and, like I said, I just saw your first video when you were kind of talking about the two different styles. I haven't seen any of the other ones yet. Is it primarily for, uh, you know, like target shooting or would you use it as a hunting setup? No, it's, and then- it's meant for hunting. Oh, okay. How heavy it is, is it? One, is it heavy? Yeah. No, well, he's oh. almost next to nothing. Wow. It's a, it, yeah, it is a, so 
the the mounting system for it weighs no more than a mounting system for a standard machined aluminum site. Okay. Um, and then, so in the video there, I had a fixed system on a weaver rail, and then mm -hmm. I had the single pin system that was a slider. They also even make an even lighter system, which is just uh, the bracket with two screws for the adjustment. And you just, it's just all major gang adjustment. Like you went on a really cheap, um, you know, uh, regular bow pin site where you just loosen up, you take your Allen keys, you tap it over one way or the other, you know? Right. Right. Um, so it is, it is meant for hunting. Uh, that is not a legal quote unquote legal thing to be using in any form of target archery. Cause you can't use red dots. It has to have a pin on a post, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, so Tim, up, uh, Tim's like is the, the owner, uh, he's up there in Michigan and he's been hunting with them for years. He's been making them for years. Um, and they reached out to me there like over the winter time. And I was like, this is bizarre. Cause I, I know that. So he explained to me that it's been around for quite some time, but I had never seen it before. I thought I'd hmm. seen everything. Yeah, um, I noticed, I noticed the haters in your comments. Like, oh, it's been around forever. And I'm like, oh my God. yeah. And I, and I was like, yeah, I did, but I didn't. Like no one told me and I've been yeah. sucking up archery knowledge for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'd never seen it before. And he brought it. Um, he actually came to my house. It was the coolest experience. He came wow. to my house to show it to me because that's how, you know, intriguing this thing is. He'd, he's like, this isn't something you just put in a box and ship to somebody like you, you need to explain it out. And uh, he showed me all the ins and outs of it. And as complicated as it looks, it's actually quite simple. Um, and, uh, but the, the cool thing is that single pin slider system is actually built on an arc. So like when it slides, wow. it's almost like the dialed system. So it's yep. actually machined to, to stay with your eye with the tube. It's fascinating. Huh. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it is meant for hunting and, and changing like the dot reticle sizes. That's like, that's something I want to play with a lot. Um, you know, like this is a 20 yard shot dot is this size, 25 dot is this size, so on and so forth. So, um, and when we were first talking about like, you know, who's this for, you know, what's the price points? And I was like, you know, this is really expensive. But then at the same time, I was like, but it's also just the scope. Like the scope is by far the most expensive part because it's meant to be put on a shotgun and banged around through God only knows what. It's meant to be put on a competition IDPA pistol and wow. shot thousands and thousands of IDPA rounds through it before it ever starts to even think about rattling loose. So you know, I can take that off of my bow, put on a shotgun, put on a revolver, use it in other facets, and then put it right back on my bow for archery season. And that was something that like I never contemplated as a possibility with a with an arch, you know, because archery is such a user specific and you know, you can't take your sight off your bow and go use it to do anything <laughs> right. else. Right, right. Right. Yeah. So I was very happy to look into it with them, do some content for them. Um I won't lie. It was definitely a learning curve experience because I don't shoot peepless, right? It's, it's almost mm. instinctive, uh, you know, because you got to center the dot in the tube. It's, your eyes not looking through a peep, but, you know, kind of like shooting the easy V the first time you just, mm -hmm. you, once you kind of get a couple dozen shots in it, it just starts to become kind of natural. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm definitely going to take it out. It won't be exclusively used, uh, but I will definitely be taking it out in the woods this fall uh, and try to sling a deer with it. And it is plenty accurate. Um, Interesting. Uh, and very form, uh, very form critique. Uh, if you're torquing it, that tube will turn and it will cat eye. Um, so you just you really have to focus on being consistent on your grip every each and every single time. Yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons. I'm really excited to continue to make content on it. Uh, we've got another video uh, that'll come up here towards the middle end of June uh, about a setup and okay. you know kind of my ins and outs and going and going through it.
uh, with a couple of different price models. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested. I'll be definitely checking those out. Cause that was like, I said, I just, I was looking at it today and I thought that looks really interesting, especially, I guess I kind of look at it like the easy view. I was talking about the pins in my face, you know, just getting a little older sites, not as crisp as it used to be. Yes. And that just kind of made sense to me. That's why I like that. Again, the easy V just kind of makes sense. Cause you know, it is what it is, you know, <laughs> you just right. frame it, frame it and claim it. So I don't have to worry about anything in my face, you know? Um, right. So that was, that was kind of interesting to see that. And it would mount on any bow, right. You don't have to have the flagship, mounts, you know, mounts on any stuff, bow, right? the, the, the bracket. So the, the scopes are made by uh, ultra dot. Um, but Tim is doing all the machining of the actual framing. So the, the scope rings, the, the, well, obviously not the weaver rail that's, you know, but um, all the scope rings, all the adjustment systems, all the click knobs, all the cheese plates, all the detents, all the, the arc uh, machining, that's all done up there in Michigan. Um, and the, the anodizing, it's all done up there in Michigan. Um, and it's clear that it has been a labor of love for him. And he's clearly put a lot of thought and effort into it. Um, and I think there's, I think there is a market in particular for the guy who just needs to shoot zero to 30 mm-hmm. and he just, and he can't see anymore. Right. He's tired of dealing with a peep maybe. Uh, and uh, he just needs to be able to put a dot on it and just kill it. And then at the end of archery season, take it off his bow, put it on his grandson's shotgun and go kill a Jake. <laughs> right. I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I think, you know, it was kind of the, it was kind of like a, when it, when it was first brought again, it was when it was first brought to me, I was like, this is stupid. This is, what is this? And then the more I'm working with him, like, this is like a thing. Like, this is like a legitimate business model of a, of a multi, there's nothing else in archery like it. Yeah. There's nothing else. You can't take your stabilizer off and go put it on anything else. Right. Right. So it, it, it was, it, it was something I, I like things that are able to cross over. I like things that are more useful than just one facet if possible. And, and that was very intriguing to me. I'm excited to keep working with it and showing folks how it goes. Well, I just love the fact, like you said, that you can take it off and put it on your turkey gun. I mean, that's, I mean, that's huge right there. Cause now you're, you can buy a site and almost get you through, you know, I mean, I guess you could probably put it on a muzzle loader for that matter. You, know? you could and put it on a muzzle loader. Yeah. I was thinking all the, you know, I grew up in Ohio, Southwest Ohio, and you know, that's slug gun territory down there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? You know, here in PA, we can do firearms. So we're using scopes or full rifles. We can do scopes, but you know, slug gun. 70 yards 60 yards sure just a little you know a two-time magnification is perfect yeah right so yeah. um yeah it's it i think there i think there's more use to it than just sticking on a bow as a quote-unquote gimmick it's it's definitely not a gimmick because it's very accurate uh and definitely is working as advertised i've had zero hiccups with it um uh, but then being able to use it in other places for the you know you're paying just as much if not more for a really high-end spot hog or really high in Excel, or really high in black gold. And that's all it does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we mentioned that earlier with yeah. TAC, right? I got this really nice spot hog for TAC yeah. events, but then yeah. I shoot my deer at 20 yards. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> and that's just, that's what makes it so funny going out there. Cause I'm like, you know, my, I think my fletching's so clear at maybe 62 yards, you know? It's so, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the top of the mountain trying to shoot, you know, a, you know, 98 yard moose. Like, I'm never going to do this. I'm just like, you know, winging it and pray, you know, like, yeah, exactly. Hopefully it gets there. You know, I have that no idea. One of my favorite moments of the tack video that I put out was, uh, you know, Dean, like doing this mental math in his head. He's like, okay, it targets at 90 yards. And he goes, I've got 63 on my site here. So if I go put it on 63 and then I raise up to the bubble and I fire, <laughs> I, like, I got to aim at that rock about three feet above them. You know, I should be pretty close. Nah. Yeah, I hit the rock. 
didn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah. But it was fun trying, you know, it was fun trying. It's great. So, uh, but, uh, well, I think yeah. we'll wrap it up. Like I said, yep. on technical issues here with the camera again here. It's like we were uh, beforehand, uh, I can say, great on how it always happens to you right in the middle. But, uh, man, Nate, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and uh, chatting with us and everything. And we hope to have you on again soon if you have uh, some time. And, uh, Dean, appreciate you being here. And, uh, Predators, everybody go check out Nate over at Average Jack Archery. He's a wealth of knowledge. And if you're in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, go check out his shop over there. Where's your shop at again? 21 North Front Street, Phillipsburg, PA. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Predators. Appreciate you tuning in. And as always, keep defying the odds.